Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. I feel discouraged. Why should the shadows come? We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. My constant friend is he, for his eye is on the sparrow. I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
morning. Um, my name is Jordan Geralds, and I will be reading today's scripture, which is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Amen. There's a great change since I have been Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, today we are honoring Juneteenth. 
which, as you know, commemorates the day on which the emancipation of persons enslaved in Galveston, Texas, was fully enforced by the Union Army. This was June 19th, 1865, over two years after the Emancipation Proclamation had been signed by President Abraham Lincoln. Through the advocacy of activists, members of Congress, persons of faith, and others committed to celebrating the contributions and experiences of black Americans and to striving for racial justice, Juneteenth has now become a federal holiday. If you look up President Biden's proclamation on Juneteenth Day of Observance, it's interesting to note that the proclamation foregrounds the word emancipation over freedom as the act and historical moment for black Americans on which this commemoration focuses. The proclamation doesn't gloss over the reality of, quote, a long legacy of systemic racism, inequality, and inhumanity, and goes on to say there is still more work to do. As we emerge from the long, dark winter of the COVID-19 pandemic, racial equality remains at the heart of our efforts to vaccinate the nation and beat the virus. We must recognize that black Americans, among other persons of color, have shouldered a disproportionate burden of loss, while also carrying us through disproportionately as essential workers and healthcare providers on the front lines of the crisis. This proclamation, which you can read at whitehouse.gov, was issued one year ago from yesterday. There are almost 170 years of history between that day in Galveston and now. And the focus of the commemoration is on that day of the enforcement of the Emancipation Proclamation and the, the enforcement of persons whose enslaved, the enforcement of the emancipation of persons whose enslavement had continued. But I do wonder about those years, those months and days between January 1st, 1863, when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, and June 19th, 1865. What was that wait like? Did the prayers of how long, O Lord, how long, change to, where are you, Lord? I don't know. But in the struggle to end apartheid in South Africa, Desmond Tutu has described the, the last years before apartheid was abolished as the worst years in terms of the intensity of the oppression. Historians tell us that the persons who continued to be enslaved in Texas after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation were not unaware that their continued enslavement was illegal. Sometimes when, when we, you know, we hear the stories or, or, or read kind of anecdotal uh, accounts of that day when the Union Army rode in, it was kind of like they were delivering news. But what historians have told us is the news had already been received. 
persons whose continued enslavement uh, in Texas knew that they were legally free. They were not unaware that their continued enslavement was illegal, and neither were their oppressors. And so as we remember the day of June 19, 1865, we have to simultaneously acknowledge that the daily violence perpetrated against enslaved persons in that in-between time could have been, and most likely was, some of the worst. It is a testament to the moral will of God, the orientation of the human spirit toward life, and the inherent freedom of each person that persons in Texas and other areas of the Middle South, where emancipation had not yet been enforced, survived those last days and months and years. But what Tutu has also said about those last days of legal apartheid is this. When the oppression got worse, we knew that we had won. Emancipation is a dialectic with oppression. As oppression grows, so does the inevitability of emancipation. As Tutu says, this is a moral universe, which means that despite all evidence that seems to be to the contrary, there is no way that evil and injustice and oppression and lies can have the last word. Our scripture today is from Romans, and it was chosen by Jordan Geralds, who read it. It's one that resonated for her, and it was actually chosen for another Sunday, but Jordan thought it could work for this day, and I'm so grateful for Jordan's suggestion, as it very much challenges us all to remember that freedom is an inherent gift from God that exists in spite of whatever we encounter in life. Freedom is a spiritual condition. Freedom is our birthright. Now that is not to say that there are not terrible sufferings in life. We know that there are and that the centuries in this country of chattel slavery is a suffering and a violence so deep that the reverberations and impact of that evil still bedevil and cause suffering today. But in this scripture from Romans, the writer Paul is bringing us back around to the choice we have to understand all of our experiences through the lens of faith. Faith to choose to honor and claim dignity in the reality of perseverance against suffering. Faith to choose to honor and claim character arising from strength and perseverance. And faith to hope in a future not yet seen. The reality is that Juneteenth is a celebration of a claiming of freedom both in real lived terms and in terms of our inherent state as free people under God. And it is an opportunity to recommit to the hope of being the human community God created us to be. As the writer Jess McIntosh has said, put simply, we are still in the process of ending slavery and nowhere near ending its effects. This last week I was in Austin, Texas for board work. And being in that context as we approached Juneteenth, 
and feeling the violence still being done there through policies against trans persons, policies refusing to curtail guns in spite of the horrific shooting in Uvalde just weeks ago, policies still limiting freedoms for women. It was tempting to wonder, how long, oh Lord, how long will it take for full emancipation to come? But I also stopped in Kansas City on my way back to California, the area where I grew up from age 10 until I went away to college is one that is now openly grappling with the effects of its own history of displacement of indigenous persons, racially restrictive real estate covenants, and redlining. In a new arts and heritage center for that county, a focused and honest look at the history and impact of structural racism, particularly through redlining and urban planning policies that bifurcated thriving neighborhoods of color, dominates the main exhibit. Not only could I have ever, not only could I have never predicted this kind of reckoning as a teenager 40 years ago, I didn't even know at that time what redlining was. And at the end of the exhibit, Participants were asked to respond to three questions. What is the impact of redlining and structural racism on you today? What can be done? And what is your vision? It's a similar kind of engagement and tra trajectory uh, as we have been engaging here at Epworth with the Truth and Racial Reckoning Group in our process of holy conversations on racial justice last fall that is now moving into and what can be done and what is your vision and what are our next steps. The wall that participants were invited to contribute to was filled with honesty and creativity and hope. We know enough to know that solutions are both complex and complicated and we know enough to know that a greater consciousness of our fundamental and inherent interconnectedness is growing. Juneteenth invites us into the dual consciousness fundamental to Christian faith, which is the commitment to the now and the not yet. The now is our current lived reality, which we know is far from perfect. It is the moment in which we are striving, still suffering, still experiencing brokenness and still broken. But there are also glimpses, moments, events, and even miracles that confirm to us that God's future, God's vision is not just coming, but already here. We know that we aren't fully there yet, but we also know we have experienced glimpses and pieces of the future that God is pulling us into. The celebrations of Juneteenth and the fact that Juneteenth has become a federal day of observation testify to this. The transcendent moments we experience in this community of faith as we strive and abide as God's people demonstrate to us that there are dimensions of the not yet with us even now. It is in this hope that Romans 5 begins in saying, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God.
But what's interesting is that the Greek doesn't have the word sharing. It's, it's one of those places in translation that just gets inserted. A better translation is we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Doesn't that make more sense? That it's that vision of God's peace and God's justice that we are so convinced of that we can both rest in it and lean into it. This is what we boast in hope of. The work of addressing the insidiousness and pervasiveness of structural racism is urgent and challenging. We know this. And we know that, the, that we hold the blessing and freedom of children of God. May this Juneteenth help us to recommit to our solidarity with each other as the full people of God. And may this Juneteenth bring us deep into our inherent freedom as children of God, who celebrate the moments of God's future for us becoming real now and are so confident of that day of full emancipation in its every dimension that we can boast about it in joy. This is God's glory, present with us now and present in our hope. Amen. been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. We who believe in freedom cannot rest.
we who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. Until the killing of a black man, black mother's son, is as important as the killing of a white man. White mother son we who believe in freedom cannot rest we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes that which touches me the most is that I had a chance to work with